When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Counterpunch Podcast here at Cracked Rackets. It's a special AO progress report that we'll be doing for you guys throughout the tournament. So you get to hear more and more opinions on uh, on what's going on in the Australian Open if you haven't heard enough opinions already. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Archit Suresh. Archit, how you doing, buddy? Well, a lot happened last night, so a little sleep deprived, to be honest, but i'm doing phenomenal i'm on possibly the greatest high you could imagine Uh, like i think i'm just filled with adrenaline after all of last night's results so i'm ready to get into it all right so let's start on the women's side um a lot happening last night should we just start with the glaringly obvious the Iga and danielle collins match we sure we could go ahead and start with that one you said glaringly obvious and i thought of like five different results you could point to so go let's go with you. fair enough um i mean a great match by danielle collins hands down some of the best tennis we've seen from her in a while so it was really refreshing to see that um something that i mean i've noted before and same um with what chanda rubin note, uh, noted on the on the call last night ego str- tends to struggle just against really like flat heavy hitters and Collins was hitting out of her mind last night. And I don't know. It, it really worked. She was hitting her shots. It was with confidence. It was very effective, but if there's anything that needs to improve with Daniel Collins, it needs to be that mental side. Um, Just, I, I hate to put it this way, but I don't know how otherwise I would put it. It was just a choke at the end. Like, it's just a matter of having to close. And it's something that we know has eluded Collins in the past. And so just the importance of keeping a stable mind and being able to close in the end. Don't play games with Iga. She was putting up her hand uh, when, on Iga's serve and trying to slow down her rhythm and throw her off her momentum. This stuff isn't going to work against Iga. Yeah, I get that 100%. Like, there's no denying that Collins choked. There's no other way to put it. There, There is no denying that. I do think that, like, we also need to give some incredible credit to Iga because the resilience that she displayed, especially in that third set down 4-1. Was she down game point in that 4-1 game? I can't really remember. Four, but... It was uh, it was 4-2, 40 love. Okay. But, yeah, I... She, I know she at one point was down four one because I remember watching her break for that. Uh, oh, she might. That was when she. I remember. Okay, all good now. But yeah, no, it was a, a really phenomenal display of just tenacity and grit under pressure that I think a lot of people were crediting Shriantek for. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's. I think that's that's one of those performances where you're like, okay, 
that's why she's the world number one. That's why she's just undoubtedly better than everybody else. Because like, I won't lie, even down for one, I was like, there's still a shot. She can still like the level is there. She can still win this. And so I, me personally, like, I think it was just incredible tennis. Some of the returns Danielle Collins was putting up for almost the majority of that entire match were ridiculous. The quality of play that she was bringing from the baseline and how well she was striking the ball with incredible amounts of depth. I mean, I think that was just really, really special stuff that we saw from both players last night. Um, I do want to ask you, though, it is I was confirmed in her press conference after the match that this is going to be Danielle Collins's last year on tour. Maybe she's just. In in some ways, it's really sad to see for tennis, someone who's made a Grand Slam final who always brings competitive energy and fire to whatever match she's playing at. So, you know, I, and of course it'll be interesting, right. I, to see what the next step in her career is. So I think what's more important is really just enjoying her tennis and the level that she can display while she's still out here. And I, and I think that's kind of the message that she was saying, like, yeah, this win, this loss is going to sting. But at the end of the day for her at this point, you win some, you lose some. It's more about just enjoying yourself on the court for one last go around at it. And so, you know, best best of luck to her in retirement. But also, you know, she's not retired yet. We still got time, right? So we'll see how it goes from there. I do want to ask you, uh, you know, your opinion is, is the way that Ia played last night, the fact that this is how long it dragged out and, you know, this is how much she struggled. Is that something to be worried about when it comes to her title chances there's a lot of murmurings that like this should worry fan you know her fans that you know maybe the run's not gonna be as deep but i don't know i don't really think that it's something that we should worry about well i guess the only thing i'd be worried about is if she continues to play through long matches at a time and like gets down over the next couple of rounds the physical wear and tear over the course of a two-week tournament could get to her in terms of just like not being able to back things up after winning long matches at a time. But, you know, I really, I, I don't think that's a real issue because like, just when you think about it, I don't think it's really an issue with her level. Like I think they're just, I think she got a pretty bad draw at the start of the tournament, but I think just in terms of is Iga's level any worse than is Iga's level any worse than the other top contenders no I wouldn't say that and we've clearly seen tonight that like anybody can lose on any given day and the longer you keep surviving the better your chances are of winning that tournament it's as simple as that and Iga's continue to do so but I did want to point out actually there was one stat uh Gil Gross tweeted out on uh a little late last night um 2014, Lina saves match point against Safarova in the third round. Kerber saves match point against Doi in the first round in 2016. Wozniacki, 2018, saves match point against Fett, second round. 2021, Osaka v. Muguruza in the fourth round. They all saved match point and won, went on to win the title situation. Seems to happen a lot in Australia, so eager fans start celebrating. Apparently, Sviantek's already won the Australian Open. And I think, like, besides the 2018-2021, they also happen in two-year increments. 
I believe so. Yeah, yeah. 2014, 2016, and then what? 2018 to 2021, three years. 2021, 2024, yeah. three years. Maybe that's the new trend. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> we can sit here and joke about that all we want, but there's too much that happened um, in the women's draw. So let's keep going. Um, where do you want to go next? Uh, well, sticking on the women's side, why don't we go to the other huge storyline? I. Blinkova beating Rybakina 22-20 in the deciding set tiebreak was the score 4-6, 6-4, 7-6, the aforementioned 22-20 for Anna Blinkova. Whoa. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. A lot of people had Rybakina as kind of a joint title favorite for this Australian Open. We know how well she likes the conditions here. She's the defending finalist. Thoughts? I, I was stunned. Um, no, like you said, we know this is a place where Rabakina does really well. She loves the conditions here. Um, it also, the court and the conditions also really do favor her game style. Great mover, really like really nice, flat, heavy ground strokes, um, that can throw most players on the tour off their game. Um, she's such a good player and we know that. And obviously she's a slam champion in her own, in her own right. And, um, no, and she also the other fact being that she looked great ahead of um the uh, the Australian Open, like all of the tournaments leading up. Granted, that last one didn't go great, but I mean her performance in was it Adelaide or Brisbane, um, where she beat Sabalenka in the final. Brisbane, it's early for me, um, but yeah, I mean like in Brisbane she just did phenomenal, and I think, um, what I always look at when I'm looking at how people you know how i'm expecting people to do when it comes to slams it's usually how they prep and how they do in the weeks leading up to it more so than like oh last year they did they did this a player can change completely in one year like if you look at sabalenka from the 2022 australian open to 2023 it's a different player it's just a matter of like you know we you know like just like we said like we know rabakina likes the conditions that's what i gathered from you know, last year to this year. But looking at her performance leading up to the tournament, she looked really good. So it surprised me. But at the same time, Blinkova's not a player that you can underestimate. And, you know, there are so many players in the women's draw right now that can, you know, have these surprise outcomes, make these upsets. Um, and you'd never know. You'd never expect it. Um, and there's a lot of them. So you never yeah. know. I just think this was... This is a great result for Blinkova and, you know, full credit to her as well. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I, another stat that I want to point out, because apparently this is just a night full of stats that we got. At 42 points, the final set tiebreak between Blinkova and Rabakina is the longest tiebreak in a singles match in Grand Slam history. What are we doing here, everyone? Like... <laughs> The fact the fact that you could find a stat like that for almost every single match that was played tonight was is absolutely ridiculous. Like we picked a we picked a very good night, I must say, to do our first progress report because there's just so much to talk about. Man, I will also I, note something that was really interesting to me is that I feel like majority of the upsets came in round two, which yeah. to me that just makes so much more sense. Like, I feel like I don't think we ever had like these this many upsets, like this many seeded players going down around two, at least in a while. And I feel like it should kind of make sense. Usually by the second round, you're playing a player of enough caliber 
to, you know, ruffle some feathers to, you know, make some make some waves, make some changes in the draw. So I don't know. This this just makes a lot of sense to me, but it it's gonna be a it's gonna be a night of stats. It's just it's just the nature, I think, of this many upsets. So let's head on to the next one. And uh this one excites me. Sloan Stevens takes out uh Daria Kasatkina in three sets. Um it's really nice to see Sloan playing at such a high level again. Um credit to Kasatkina, to Kasatkina. I don't think she played a bad match. I just think Sloan played absolutely amazing. Um and it's and it's good to see her playing at, you know, the caliber that we know she can. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, no, I a hundred percent step by step with you. I think uh, it's just really, really refreshing to see Sloan Stevens put out this quality of play at a major. I like I think back to back weeks she's had good wins, right? Very, very solid performances in both ways. I beating a player like Cascade is never easy to do it after everything that Sloan Stevens has been through in her career and to continue to just plug away and showed that she still has the level to compete at this at this I guess level again sorry listeners for saying level twice in the same sentence but yeah it's just been really really exceptional tennis from her and in a night full of upsets like we just I guess we just have to make sure that that doesn't get lost in the fold right like Daria Kasakita may have been a 14th seed but she can play tennis like someone a lot higher and so can Sloan Stevens being unseated. We knew that going into the tournament and everyone kind of knew that going into this year, but she once again proved that she just has that high level of tennis still left in her. And it's a pleasure to see that. Um, next, why don't we move on to, I think what is the other huge upset? Um, Jessica Pagula. Losing on Margaret Corderina and straight sets six four six two to Clara Burrell. First of all, I, I for someone who is so so consistent at the slams and Jessica Pagula, I think this may have been the most surprising loss. I I guess maybe you could go with the Blinkova to Rubakina loss, but I don't know. Like you just you get the feeling that this was a chance for Pagula to really solidify herself among the tier one WTA contenders. And who knows if Rubakina gets out and Shiantek's having trouble, who knows that maybe Pagula can really start sneaking into that upper, upper echelon of slam contenders in this one tournament and go on a run. But I guess it just wasn't meant to be for her losing in straight sets. what did you see from Clara Burrell? And yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I mean, to take out a top, you know, top five seed in straight sets is no easy feat. You know, everybody's going to know that. And um, the performance that Clara Burrell put up, just so, so good. And uh, it's exciting to see another one of those, like, much younger players really breaking through. And you talk about opportunity and something that I just really noted was, like, you look at this draw and we're going to go through so many upsets already this draw is going to be such an opportunity for, you know, anyone who's been, let's say, like, in the top 20, top 30, to make a solid run at a Grand Slam, you know? And you look at the top seeds, like, to me, there's five contenders left, and it's 
Iga, Sabalenka, Coco Goff, Ostapenko, and um, Zhongqin Wen. It's yeah. it's going to be such an open opportunity for you know players that you know have dreamed of even you know making the second week of a slam to make the second week of a slam. When you're in a part of a draw where you were originally with Jesse Pagula and Maria Sakari, and now neither of them are there. That's a huge change. And, you know, in the positive for anyone that's left of that side of the draw. So I don't know, yeah. but back to Clara, I think, um, again, another great player that, you know, has had these murmurings and has been, you know, discussed briefly, um, but now really making her statement. And um, it was great to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think just one thing I want to point out, one of these players will reach the Australian Open semifinals on the women's side. Blinkova, Paulini, Kalinskaya, Stevens, Wong, Junction, Wen, Doden, and Burrell. It First of all, if you're Junction, Wen, great opportunity to make your first slam semifinal. You, but if, you're, if, if I was Junction, Wen, I am thrilled. Yeah, but in in those moments you've seen, like you can't let up yeah. at any moment, right? Because like anyone can beat anyone as as evidence today, and so it's just it's one of those things where, in some ways, it's going to add even more additional pressure to her to follow through and you know maximize her seating and where she is in the draw. And for any of these other players, they're going to look at this as an opportunity too, right? A lot of them are going to have career high, you know uh runs at slams right and you know we don't talk about it but making the quarterfinals for any top player at a slam is just something that doesn't really happen very often for most players so when they do get a chance it's it's an incredibly hard thing to do but when they do get a chance it's it's like it's like basically you've validated your entire career almost and so to be able to do that and the opportunity that those players have, the opportunity that Zheng Chen has had, she's going to be licking her chops trying to get to the semifinals and who knows beyond that, right? I listed her as a dark horse contender heading into the tournament just because I thought she wasn't in the elite list of favorites, but who knows that elite list of favorites just slowly starting to dwindle a little bit and, she doesn't seem like she's going to slow down anytime soon. So we'll see how that turns out. Yeah. And I think another thing to note, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to, you know, Zhang Chinwen is I think when you're looking at, you know, you mentioned this part of the draw that, you know, is going to head over to the semifinals. By the, you know, if she's the, the last semifinals remaining, right? If she's the one that comes out of that portion of the draw, or anyone else, like even, you know, you're talking about Sloan Stevens, you're talking about all these great players, Paolini, it goes on and on. By the time they would have made the semis, you're dealing with such a momentum high, like, it's so hard. You're riding on such heavy momentum, and then, like, the only thing that, you know, I think we've really seen that would break down a player is the pressure of the moment, which is where somebody like an Iga Shvantec or an Arena Sabalenka would have the upper hand. But, you know, to make the semifinals of a slam, you have to be a high caliber player. And, you know, that plus the momentum that you're going to be riding on having, you know, won all of these matches on such big of a stage. 
it's going to be really interesting to see who comes out and how they play moving forward. Um, but I think that honestly is going to be such a portion of the draw to look out for, in my opinion, just because of the unpredictability of it. Yeah. But another player um, that had a great night um, was Alina Avanesian, who took out Maria Sakari. Just wow. I, I just, it, again, straight, another straight sets victory um, over a top 10 player. No easy feat. Archit, thoughts? <laughs> I don't have much yeah, to I say. Guess, I guess, once again, it does just speak to the depth of the WTA tour, right? Is it, like, we have these phenomenal second round matches, and it's like, okay. Nobody's really surprised at them. I mean, a bunch of people are surprised at the number of sheer number of upsets that we've seen, especially on the women's side tonight. But to get this level of competition on both the WTA and the ATP tour side at this one slam has been really, really special. I think we're this is setting up to be an Australian Open that's going to be really, really memorable for all those involved. And so, yeah, really impressed with Avanissian. Um, on the soccer note, the run of slam success or the run of lack of slam success kind of continues. I think it's it's interesting. I was it 2021 US Open where she made the semifinals, and then I believe I after so, that yeah. she just has I believe after that she hasn't made the second week of a slam. You just wonder what it'll take for soccer to be able to peak at the slams, get elite level out of her, you know. I it'll it's just it's just gonna be an interesting thing to watch. The I, you got to be frustrated for her, and I'm sure she's incredibly frustrated too. You know how much she wants it, and in some ways you can kind of just feel how much she wants it on TV. And maybe that could be what's holding her back. But at the end of the day, like I'm not gonna sit here and be an armchair psychologist and say, oh, Maria Sakari needs to work on this mentally, this mentally, this mentally. We can talk about her games all we want, sure. And how, you know, it's impacting her. And if it seems to be mental, 100%. But ultimately, that's something that she's going to have to figure out and just understand how to start peaking for slams again and really bring her best tennis in the biggest moments. And unfortunately, that's something that she's failed to do so far. I don't think that's wrong of me to say, but it it just is what it is. She's really struggled in, over the course of these past two years at slams. Yeah, I mean it's unfortunate. We've seen I mean, we've seen players go on these kinds of droughts before, and it's um it's always a tough thing to manage because you're dealing with so many different factors. And you know, like you said, I mean, like we're not here to be armchair psychologists. We're not here to, you know, speak out on, you know, what they're going through because we can't know, you know, and it's just difficult. Um, it's unfortunate to watch, and we know how good of a player she is. Um and so it'll be fun to see when she can get back to the way we know she can play. Um, yeah. Where, where do we want no. to go next? I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you pick up the next match. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, why don't we rapid fire through some of the rest of these results? No other really massive upsets. Some still, still some very high quality matches between top players. Um, but sorry listeners spoiler alert we're currently recording this during the middle of daniel medvedev and emil rusevori and medvedev is down two sets to love um 
So this might be a longer podcast than expected, considering we haven't even started the men's side. And the, trust me, there there's plenty of results to go over on that side as well. So why don't we rapid fire through the rest of these women's results? Uh, Yelena Ostapenko defeating Isla Tomljanovic, 6-0-3-6-6-4. This one was one that had a lot of buildup to it after what happened at Wimbledon last year between the two, um, you know, Tomljanovic, Prior to the match, there's no real bad blood. She has respect for Ostapenko, and you know they were just going to go out there and compete, and that's what they did, right? Ostapenko just solidly and really quietly one of the most consistent, you know, runs. Actually, the most consistent. I don't know why I'm saying one of the most consistent because now she seems to have put it together for longer than the course of a calendar year, right? I mean, I think we saw this level from her all of last year, and to the start of this year so she's we know how dangerous she is when she catches fire it's i think in my opinion she's the most unstoppable player when she's on on the wta tour so yeah i i guess the advice i have for everyone else don't let her get hot because if she does it's game over for at least one top seed so we'll see how it goes from here but big win for ostapenko into the third round any thoughts for Ospenko Tomlianovich, or do you want to move on? I'm happy to move on. No, um, no, uh, like you said, we've talked about it before. Ospenko is such a good player, and when she's, you know, it's it's one of those, you know, situations where when she's on, she's on, and um, it's so hard to stop a good Ostapenko. Like even like every top player on the tour right now has had difficulties with Ostapenko at one point or another, and we know how good of a player she is, and she can be so. You know, after having a last few years where results really were just a roller coaster, like she had on days, off days, and you you kind of didn't know um, which Ostapenko you were gonna get at a given match. Um, so consistency from her uh, has been um, a welcome surprise. You know, it's it's a lot of fun, and she injects a lot of different, um, you know possibilities and a sense of you know unpredictability into the draw so um it's always fun to see her play you yeah. know as well as we know she can yeah 100 percent um going through some of these other results victoria azarenka in a match that just finished beating clara tossin 6-2 in the decider big win for azarenka through to the third round could she be shaped up for another run here it'll be interesting right there's another player that we know enjoys you know, the atmosphere, you know, the climate, the atmosphere here and, you know, is well adapted to it. Two time champion in her own right and a few finals as well. Um, so we know um, that she enjoys playing here and we know how good she is. So it, it's going to be fun yeah. to see for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, going through the, re- the rest of these results, um, Raducanu losing to Wang Yifan. Tough one. I'm actually pretty encouraged by the level Raducanu has shown over the course of the month. If she's able to stay healthy, I don't really doubt that she's going to be able. I Again, I think this was a good opportunity for her to try and get some momentum going. But I guess it wasn't meant to be losing 6-4 in the decider. You know, I think she was pretty good. She had a pretty good, pretty high level. Um, tough to see. Um, but yeah. Going on, uh, Yastremska beating Gracheva. 
Galyevich beating Sinyakova in three sets. I think that's a, a really interesting match. Um, did we already talk Emma Navarro beating Cochoretta? No, we didn't. But Emma Navarro, yeah, Emma Navarro beating Cochoretta for six, and, six, and two, Emma six, Navarro three. that's in great form. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, she's she's playing great, and it uh, it's it's really good to see. And I think um, if if there's anyone listening that loves to you know root for the underdog and root for a dark horse. You know, in terms of like making a deep run, I think Emma Navarro would be a great pick yeah. that, you know, at least for American fans, hopefully, uh, will not disappoint anytime soon. So, yeah, I agree. I would push back on the whole underdog dark horse thing. Yeah, she won a title last year. Like, these no, are the I said, signs that I, was, I, said, I, I, said I get under, what you're trying to I said, say. Yeah. I said dark horse in terms of like, you know, making a deep run in a slant. You know, she's no, not the, I, I, Emma I Navarro's not, the, yeah. not the first name that's going to come to your, I'm not saying that she's not going to be Coachetta, but like, no, no, I get what you're trying to say. comes to mind when you say who's going to be the finalists or who's yeah. going to be in the semifinals. Absolutely. I get what you were trying to say. Um, <laughs> four, six, six, three, six, three beats Coach Reddo. The pathway, I will say the pathway to her making a second week has never been more clear, right? Like she can do it. And if she does, I, well, earlier last year to give you reference why I'm giggling right now earlier last year I did a pod with Gruskin saying um that Emma Navarro could be a top 20 player when we were discussing her ceiling and I felt like that's a pretty fair statement it's a fair assumption yeah and he was pushing back saying which rightfully so he was like what are the because of the depth that you see on the WTA tour what are the weapons right for Emma Navarro to make it and I was like well, the fact of the matter is she doesn't really have a reliable weakness for people to pin down on. And, you know, being solid is a strength on the WTA tour. and uh, Which listen. can be really, really helpful. Yeah. Is if, you have a, if you have a solid game, like you said, like no major weak points, plus like good mental stability, you could be a very like disruptive force in the WTA. No, I, I agree. And... It, she seated 27th in the world right in the tournament right now um and i think a couple more wins easily gets her top 20 but she was playing really really well i feel pretty confident that she's going to go on to get that top 20 win i don't want to count my chickens before they've hatched but <laughs> suck it gruskin next yeah i was going to say i think we're going to yeah. send a few texts to gruskin if it happens yeah ne- why okay i think that's all the women's results we have for today Oh um, uh, no! I was gonna say I think we have a, a few more, in my opinion, at least. Um, okay, go go ahead, go ahead. Magda Frank uh, takes out uh, Caroline Garcia. Alicia Parks takes out Layla Fernandez. Oh, I forgot um, about Garcia. And uh, the one that I think I just this is the one that I that I think we have to close on because what better of a note? Mira Andreeva taking out Anjabur six zero six two. The youngest player, another stat for you all, um, Mira Andreeva, the youngest player uh, in tennis history to bagel a top 10 seed at a Grand Slam uh, on the WTA Tour. What a level we're seeing from, I can't believe I'm saying this, a 16-year-old? Just yeah, no, absolutely insane. Another set, And another stat line, uh, 
Andreeva is one of three 16-year-olds that made the second round of the Australian Open and one of two 16-year-olds that have made the third round. Just, wow. I, just, yeah. yeah. Th- thanks. Wow. Just, I can't, I can't fathom it. And I think, um, you know, it, it was, for, I mean, it was unfortunate to see the Minister of Happiness go home, but, I mean, there's going to be so many more opportunities for Anja Burr and she's such a good player and um, full credit to Andreeva for the performance she put up. She's been playing phenomenally this tournament. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, people like to, when we talk to everyone else at Correct Records, they like to say that we're <laughs> young, right? And <laughs> they like, you know, they really, they always comment on the fact that, oh, you got so much time to grow. You have so much potential. You're so young. And then, I look at someone who at the age of 16 beats the top six seed at a slam. And I'm just like, what have I done with my life? Yeah. But you I know? had, but, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I felt like even when Coco Goff started coming on, I was like, Coco Goff's a year younger 100%. than I am. And, and I was like, she just beat Venus Williams at a slam and I'm sitting in a high school classroom. Like what, what am I doing with my life? Exactly. hundred percent. And Mira Andreva should be sitting in a high school classroom <laughs> and she's beating Austin. <laughs> um, but no, I, I 100% agree. Just incredible level But it's hard to, at the same time, the future it's, it's is just so, hard so, to so argue bright. Such a, such a talented player. No, I, I agree. The, the future is just so, so bright for her. I do think Jabur in particular was pretty had a pretty flat and poor performance. The backhand just wasn't great. I think she will start to um, regret her decision not to play any warm-up tournaments before the Australian Open. I just think she her level wasn't there i really don't think it was a fitness thing maybe it was but it just it just felt like she was outclassed and she just couldn't bring her best stuff and i think if anjabur had had brought brought her best stuff out on court that day you know she probably wins that match but again not to take anything away from andreva that's an incredibly special performance i can only dream of doing something like that at the age of 16 but yeah Really, really special stuff. A lot of young players having moments here at the Australian Open. I think you mentioned that out of all the players into the third round, three of whom are teenagers, three of whom are sixteen. That's correct. Uh, I think it's two in the round, uh, two in the third round, three in the second round. Ah, yes, yeah. But yeah, because Corneva no. Corneva lost um, to someone. Yeah, I, I do remember this now that you mentioned it. To uh, um, be a Hadad Maya. Yes, that would be correct. But yeah, I, incredible, incredible performances from everyone. Um, it, it's such a, It's been such a fun you know, draw to watch. But uh, to close the women's side for us, Archit, I, I mentioned my five, um, which is a little bit cheap from my end to name five, but um, maybe I'll narrow it down for us. Who are your current favorites as uh, as the draw stands to, I don't know, let's say, you know, make semifinals, finals of the Australian Open here? Well, yeah, I think it's it's definitely three of the names you've mentioned. Sabalenka, 100%. You have to make a case for her. She's a defending champion here. You know that her serve plus one game works here, and she's very dominant at it, as we've seen. Yeah. Iga Sviantek, even though, you know, she's shown struggles against Collins, I don't think that was really her level dipping off too much. I, I don't think she was playing her absolute best because 
I'll be frank, if Ego's playing her absolute best, she's winning 0-1. Yeah. Right? Because, but yeah. I don't think that, I don't think it's possible to be playing your absolute best over the course of two two weeks at a slam, right? You have to figure out how to just survive and kind of advance through the draw and work your way in so you're peaking at when the lights are brightest, right? And that's in deep into the second week. And hopefully she can continue to do that, but I'm not going to bet against her solely because A, she's the world number one and she's already won four slams by the age of 22. So I'm not worried. And then I would go Coco Goff because- Again, she won the U.S. Open last year. The level she's playing at is really, really high. I do think she had, she's like kind of had her struggles in terms of just like she's had lapses at the beginning of her matches, both against Caroline Dalhide and I'm blanking on who she played in the first round. Um, I'll get there. Okay. Well, while you get there, I'll say that, you know, I, it's just what Coco Graf has done really really special stuff and like we're talking about her like she's a finished product and she's continuing to compete for slams before she even hits the age of 20 right like people don't talk enough about the fact that coco goff is 19 yeah right it's like that's we should discuss that it be- more yeah like we talk about her like she's 25 because a she's been around for so long right like we all remember when she popped up in everyone's kind of radar and 2019 Wimbledon I believe was the year and you know four years from now and she's 19 years old so and she's won a slam and she's done so many incredible things in this sport and (laughs) Schmidlova yeah I I just pulled it up as well yeah um no um I agree those are my that's my short list I'm going to throw I'm and then I'm going to throw Zhang Chenwen in there just because I think her draw is pretty open and she should be I'm not saying she will because a she's still young. You know these things kind of happen where you have the draw laid out for you and you lose, right? And yeah. if anything has taught us, I mean, if this if last night has taught us anything, expect the unexpected. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you can't count on anything to happen in yeah. these tournaments because players just they do bring their best tennis at slams, right? And that is what is so 100%. special about these tournaments. And so if but if Jung Chin Wen can, you know, really, really use her weapons well and just navigate her way through the draw, I think she can find her spot, find herself in like a semifinal or maybe even a final and maybe even give her a chance to win this event. But yeah, that's my short list for contenders to win the title. Yeah. Um, to me, my sem- my semifinals are Iga versus Jung Chin Wen and then Coco versus Sabalenka, which that ladder match, I'd be very excited to see uh, what happens in that one. Um, to your point, it's so hard, uh, you know, regarding Iga, it's so hard to keep up and maintain such a high level across the two weeks of a slam. And if there's anything I've learned, um, as we know, the kind of resident Iga <laughs> expert per se, um, I hate this. I hate to say the word expert because I'm not, um, but I sure do know a a good amount about her and you know watching her over the years and especially these last few years where she's really been you know at the peak of her game um Iga isn't usually at her strongest in the first week of a slam she's getting there she's adjusting she's making the adjustments that she needs to make like you saw against um Daniel Collins and I think that's a huge part of being such a top player is when things aren't working you adjust and to me, what we have seen is that when Iga Sviantek 
makes the second week of a Grand Slam, she is dangerous, hands down. Um, you know, when she falls, you know, when she makes the second round, the second week of a slam and doesn't win it, somebody, you know, a top name has taken her down. It wasn't, you know, for a lack of better term, Joe Schmo, world number 300. You know, it was Arena Sabalenka. It was, you know, Krejcikova. It was Rybakina. It was, you know, no, Coco Goff hasn't done it at Slam. But, you know, you're talking about big name players who, you know, have a lot of merit and credit to their own right because they beat Shiontek, you know, playing their game and they beat Shiontek, you know, just straight up by being by beating a prime level Shiontek for lack of a better term. So yeah. and I think this is something to be said about most of these top players. Like I, it's a rarity for someone to be playing at their very best week one and then carry that over throughout the second week as well. It's usually an ebb and flow. It's building momentum. And, you know, that's mo- majority of the slam champions that we've had over the last few, you know, last years over history, you know, it starts off kind of slow and then they ramp it up in the second week is just, that's why it's so entertaining. Because you have top players at you know the best of their game. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, just really quick though, while I, I mean, I first of all, I'm 100 agree with every point you made about Shviontek. I did want to throw one other name in my contenders list, just because it could happen. It could still happen. Yelena Ostapenko. Yep. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. Like this is a name. This is like. There are a few names that are like Shiontek's kryptonite and Ostapenko might might very well be one of them. hundred <laughs> percent. And it, it's just, it would be so fascinating if Elena Ostapenko it, just goes on one of those runs. And of course, this would be the tournament that it's at, right? Where she just becomes virtually unbeatable for a week and a half. And I, I, it could happen. It could happen because she's put up really consistent results and she's playing well. Like she's playing really, really well over the course of, I guess, these last 12 months or so. Yeah. Really special tennis from her. And I we know she's capable of it, but that's what's required of her to beat a person like Sviantek. And that's what's required for her to, you know, really compete for this title, which I think she can do. I think we spent enough time on, on the show. Yeah. We still have... Quite a bit of results to get to. Let, um, let's over, let's looks, head over to the men's. And yeah, apparently it looks like Daniel Medvedev is trying to delay this recording as much as possible because he's fighting back in the third. But he's going to need a late night miracle to win this one. He's up a break in the third set after losing the first two to Emil Rusevori. But why don't we head over to some of the action that we saw from last night? I'll let you take the lead wherever you want to go. Wow. Um, I will say as a stark contrast to the women's side, we have a lot of wow. Okay. God, I, I don't know. Something about seeing Novak Djokovic's name with with four sets next to it, both both matches, really ruffles <laughs> ruffles my voice up. No. Um, as as you know, as opposed to the women's side, a lot of the seeded names making it uh, making their way through the draw. On the men's side, Novak Djokovic still in the fight. Um, ben Shaw and Taylor Fritz um, still in the fight, just based off of the first few matches on the draw. Um, I don't know. I think uh, we've seen some really entertaining matches, and um, let let's fo- let, where, where do you want to focus? I mean, I'm. Do we want to go to Novak, the Americans, maybe some upsets? 
Yeah, well, I guess we can we can touch briefly on those and then head on over to the upsets that we see play out last night. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Novak Djokovic I, is Novak Djokovic. Yeah, me personally, I'm not really worried about it. If it continues to happen, like if he keep if he drops a set for every ter- every match he plays in this tournament, maybe it affects him down the stretch, like it did kind of at the U.S. Open in 2021. But Novak should be fresh. I am. I know people are slightly worried about the wrist issues, and I I do see that his forehand has been kind of shaky at times. In my opinion, it's the most consistent weapon, as in out of the players who use it as a weapon, it's consistent. Um, there are certainly players who are consistent with their forehands, but I would not classify those as weapons. Uh, more like water guns for some players, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I 100% agree. Like, I think I'm not super stressed on Novak. I think yeah. he's rounding his way into the form. It, I would if like he to loses say, in see, Australia, go ahead. Go I would like to say, like, seeing, seeing, you know, these first two players take a set off of him each, I just think there's so much. I mean, in my like, the way I always see, you know, playing in someone as you know, the caliber of Novak Djokovic, there's so much praise to be given to even taking a set off of him off of that being i know we meant we just mentioned like you know it's hard to be at the top of the game top of your game you know first week but you know for a player like primzic right like prisma sorry um this this has got to be such like a reaffirming you know opportunity for him to say like you know i can you know I I can make a difference on the tour. I can, you know, compete at the highest level, right? Yeah, compete at the and, highest level. And I can, you know, even ruffle the feathers of one of the greatest of all time. So, and especially because he's so young and his game is so fun to watch. Um, I, I just would love to see where he goes with this, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. He has, he has potential in spades. Tremendous upside. Tremendous yeah, upside. Really, really consistent. Even Djokovic talked about, you know, playing himself at 18, which if somebody, if Novak Djokovic ever said <laughs> that about me, I don't think I'd ever play tennis again. Like, I think I just. That's I'd such like, a high. Yeah, like, that's such a high like, to end on. <laughs> I've accomplished everything that I need to set out to accomplish in life. Novak Djokovic said I played tennis like he did. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think that's just something that is. <laughs> Uh, really, really special. Um, and with regards to Popper and like he has the weapons to really hinder anyone he plays against. If he's playing on his terms and stepping into the middle of the court and really, you know, dictating play, he can do that against anyone. It's very impressive, especially at your home slam to you know take a set off Novak Djokovic, especially at this slam because Djokovic yeah. doesn't lose in Australia, but. To do that, I I was impressed with Poprin. Um, he kind of squandered away the chance to win that third set. I probably thought he should have won that. He maybe could have pushed Djokovic to five, and you know who knows where you go from there. But yeah, I thought that was really high level match with the other players kind of in that section. Taylor Fritz looks really good. Um, gets through his first round match in five sets. Admittedly, he said he felt like he played pretty well, but you know. When he didn't start off well, he gave his opponent belief, and that kind of just gave him momentum to really trouble him over five sets in that first round match. And then Hugo Gaston didn't really show up in the second round. I'll be honest, 
Um, but yeah, Taylor's into the third round. Um, hopefully he can look for another deep run because I'm sure he'd like to start being a little bit more consistent at the slams and get to the second. And by consistent, I mean, get to the second weeks consistently, not lose early consistently, like we've seen from last year other than the U S open, but. No, another another player that I wanted to mention was, you know, good old Benny Schultz. Uh Ben Shelton also through the third round. Um, what really made the mark for me was that w- it was a pretty decisive win over um RBA. Um it's so tough when you draw someone like uh Bautista Gut in the first round, a former, you know, top thirty, top twenty player in his own right. And, you know former slam semifinalist, Roberto yeah. Bautista Gu. Yeah. Lots of questions around around that and uh I think Shelton handled it really well. He played great and he hasn't playing great and I'd love to see, you know, what he can do against Adrian Manorino. Yeah. I think that'll no, be exciting I agree. as well. I think that'll be a really, really fun match. Contrast to styles, but still lefty on lefty. So it'll yeah. be a fun match. I've been impressed with Ben. I think even if I well I, I'll be honest, I don't think he's gonna reach the quarterfinal again, even if he beats <laughs> Manorino because there's a guy named Novak Djokovic in the Joker's waiting round, but for I, him, yeah. I would really like to see. Well, most likely Novak Djokovic will be waiting for him in the fourth round. Let's not. I'm, yeah, but I'll I'll be honest. At the same time, and this this is a discussion that I think is you know so commonly had, and it's just it's always the luck of the draw, and it's so hard because I think in most other quarters of this draw, Ben Shelton would be through to the quarterfinals. You know, we. I agree. Like, he's playing. He's playing really, really high level tennis. And like, if honestly, you don't I put can... him in Novak Djokovic's quarter or in, um, like Alcaraz's corner, his quarter, to me, he's a quarter finalist. I agree to some extent. Like, the I know level it's, he's it's shown a little is, bit. The level he's shown is yeah. that of a quarter finalist. Yeah. But I will say, just like, I wouldn't be shocked if a guy like Manorino beats him tomorrow, right? And like. Ben is still at a stage where he is developing. Like the weapons aren't there day in, day out. The serve is always going to be there for him. But if he's serving well and serving smartly is the difference. Uh, You know, with Ben, I think that's just, I think it's going to come with time. I'm not really worried about him. I've always looked at this year as kind of a real building block year for him where he has to kind of show that he can, uh, yes, like the majors. I always think Ben's going to be really good at the majors because I think best of five lends itself to the way he plays. And I think he competes when the lights are brightest. And, you know, I, in the biggest moments, I know Ben Shelton's not going to back down. Right. But what, like, I, I think this year to me for Ben is more about putting consistency and success week to week to week. Right. Like, even if the slam results dwindle a little bit and they go down, I want to see him reach more quarters and semis at like two fifties and five hundreds. I want to see him win back-to-back matches at the next tournament he plays, not, you know, not go through a three month dry spell where he doesn't really win much, which I I'm fairly confident he will, by the way, he's, his tour level has been really, really successful. I mean, he's even, he even reached the semifinals and I think was it Auckland that he played, but think so yeah no i'm not really worried about ben i but i do think he's got a real shot at if he can get through manorino i think he's got a real shot of troubling novak even if it's not even his game that troubles novak i think he i think he's shown that he can get in novak's head and to like that is in my opinion, that's a compliment to Ben. Like, because Novak Djokovic is thinking about you. You're making Novak Djokovic a little worried. 
right? Because if Djokovic wasn't worried, he wouldn't care about all the theatrics. There are not many players overall that Novak Djokovic is worried about. Yeah. And if your name slips onto that list, hats off to you because it takes a a certain level and even like on the mental side to even play with one of the most mentally stable, like maybe I'm I'm not going to say he's not volatile because we've seen him crack a few rackets, but you know, I mean, like in terms of, you you take you you put him down two sets to love and he's just going to go sit down put a towel over his head and then come out striking like the you know like nobody's business and so just to even get in his head you, it, it's a compliment it's a compliment yeah. 100% no i agree um but yeah why don't we rapid fire through the rest of this cuz we do have to get to um, Some other big matches match. that happened. Yeah, uh, Francisco Sarundolo goes down to Fabian Marochan. Um, Lorenzo Musetti loses to Luca Vanasha. Um, Sitsi passed through the third round. Sinner also through the third round. Um, Tiafo falls to Thomas Machak in th- in uh, in straights four four and six. Any thoughts there? Well. Again, I don't think Francis actually played that badly. I think he came out a little flat. Like, I think he should have done more to win that match. But I didn't think he lost it, is what I was saying. Like, I think Mahach played a really, really high level. And I I think his winner count was pretty absurd. He, you know, was, I think, just really, really good from start to finish and forced the issue against the Alpha, which is kind of what you have to do when you're playing top seed like that. And he did he, he did what he had to do Mahachan that's a big big win for him so yeah congratulations to him disappointing for Francis because it is a hard court major and you you want to see him like consolidate some of their early success he had at the US Open from last year and or two years ago sorry but quarters at the US Open last year but I don't know it's been a bit of a strange down period for Francis hopefully he can start to pick it up soon other results. Yeah. Um, uh, Kachanov through the third. Demonor through the third. Uh, the qualifier, Flavio Caboli in his first Grand Slam appearance, also through to the third round. Uh, Sebi Korda, good to see uh, him playing well. Uh, Rublev, after a match against uh, Chris Eubanks, also through. Yeah. Let's talk about after this going, one. After going five with, say, Both Vilch, um, yeah. big big reset for Rublev. He often struggles Face against Sebi guys Korda. with weapons. Yeah, in the third. tough match. Yeah, but Demonar through that section looks really interesting because like there are a lot of guys who I think could get through. But I do want to talk about this one. Holger Rune falls to wild card uh, Arthur Cazzo. Um I just you know close my tab like I do. Um, but well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big big win for the eighteen year old Frenchman Arthur Cazzo. <laughs> not the not only French the Arthur on the block, Arthur Fee. You know, Arthur Cousseau's there. He, you know, he's proven it. Big, you know, big wins for French teenagers that aren't Arthur Fee, right? Like Luca Van Asha. <laughs> Luca Van Asha beating yeah. Arthur Cousseau beating Holger Runa. Like, those are big, big wins. And, you know, <laughs> really, really interesting matches as well because, like, you wonder just, like, these guys are like the young guys of this group are just, Oh, sorry. I got a little distracted because Medvedev just won the third set in his match. So we're going, <laughs> we're going four at oh. least, but um, yeah, 
I I've been I've been so impressed by this younger generation of ATP players. They just yeah. come in with no baggage. There's no real fear. Like if I'm the original next gen, I am a, I am starting to get a little worried that maybe the window after Novak Djokovic retires maybe that's not going to be as big of a window as they originally thought it was going to be, right? Yeah, that's the, I think I think the difficulty for them is that you know, we t- we've talked you know, before about when players peak, you know, when they hit their prime and, you know, you've got to start worrying for, like you said, that like original Lex Gen, you're talking about your Alex Zverev, your, I would even dip into Pass a little bit. Yeah. Even um, like the Medvedev Pass, even Casper Rude. Yeah. Like ter- the Americans. You know, looking into, you know, how much longer am I going to be able to be at my prime and playing at my peak form? You know, if we talk about that, you know, I can't believe that this is how we're classifying it, but he's so, but he's that good. The post Djokovic, you know, era. So, yeah. I think that, I mean, no. like we discussed before, there's so much to worry because you're looking at, you know, I think the two names that come to mind is Alcaraz and Center, and they're going right. to and give this original next gen such, such a run for their money. And even a guy like Kogaruna, like I think his upside is tremendous. Like I think his upside is right there with Alcaraz and Sinner. I think he, I, he hasn't shown it yet because I think it might just take a little longer to develop. But I, that's no fault of his. Like normal eighteen and nineteen year olds, and Kogaruna is not even a normal eighteen year old. But he does. He's still do he's still top ten Alcaraz in the world. Does. Exactly. Like he's had three a teenagers in the top ten. Someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. That's what I'm saying, but you have guys like Kazo and Van Asha and even a guy like Shelton and Arthur Fee, like that age group, they aren't even the best of their pool. And it's like they're getting wins against these top players. And it's like it's so interesting to me. Like, yeah. And you mentioned depth, yeah. Yeah, the depth on the ATP tour just continues to get better. But yeah, I did mention Arthur Fee, as you were saying. Unfortunately, uh, fell to uh Talon Greek Spore. Yeah. In in four in four. Yeah. Uh we know how good Greek sport can be. Yeah. You know, all these players. For, yeah. Unfortunately yeah. for Fee, not for Greek sport. We want to make <laughs> yeah. that clear. We are a pro yes. town Greek score podcast. Um we are I mean, this this podcast is just pro entertaining tennis. Like we just it, you know, any you know, any draw that can entertain us and you know is just fun to watch, is always gonna be fun for us to talk about. And uh I think Talon Greek sport when he's playing at the top of his game. Um, is another name that can disrupt the draw and can really make a statement and is fun to watch. Um, first round was tough for him against Roman Safiulin. We uh, we also know how good Safiulin is as well in his own right. And um, impressive for Greek sport to get past um, two very, very solid players um, and will now face Arthur Cazzo, uh in the third. Yeah, yeah. no, 100%. Um, Sorry, real quick. I did want to mention, we forgot to mention Echeverry. Big wins for him. Straight sets yep. over Murray and Monfils. Gets another crack at Djokovic. He really yep. improved on hard court. Shout out to him. Yep. Um, the serve in the forehand continued to look super potent. Um, yeah, I, I think he's really made strides on his movement as a hard court player. He's playing really, really well. But other results from last night, um, Tommy Paul beating Jack Draper in what was an anticipated clash, uh, four sets, seven, five in the fourth big win for Tommy Paul. We uh, Draper is a really tough second round draw, but you know, if he can continue his way through, I believe his fourth round scheduled opponent is Carlos Alcaraz, who I would love to see that matchup again, because 
Alcaraz v. Tom Paul on hard courts just, just has just always made for enticing battles. So I'll go with that. Um, you know, Alcaraz four set win over Lorenzo Sanigo. Sanigo made him work, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, tight tie break sets for two of them, but but Sanego's never gonna Alcaraz give it do. to you easily. Like it's it's never gonna be easy. But um yeah. Um Miomir Kitchmanovic threw in a fifth set tiebreaker over Jan Leonard Struff. Unfortunately for Struff, not even one of his biggest, or unfortunately for us, Struff wasn't even a huge upset out of all the results we saw during the day. Um, Richard, I'm going to let you take the rest for, I believe, what was Casper Rude's big win over Max Purcell. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's so... Um... It was so impressive from Max Purcell to watch him uh, take Rude uh, to five sets and um, especially the tie break in the fifth. You know, people can say like that Casper Rude kind of, you know, just barely escaped um, one of two seeded players to go to a 10 point tie break. Um, no, I think Casper uh, is such a solid player and um, but so is Max Purcell and. Uh, it's difficult. I'm I'm curious how the next round is going to go for Rude. Uh, he's got Cam Nori, which we both know is a very formidable opponent. So uh, I'm interested to see how that goes as well. No, yeah, I agree. Um, I think Rude's been playing really, really well um, throughout the course of Australia. I think he started the year off really well. I also just thought Purcell basically just redlined for almost the entire match, and he almost he almost did enough to win it. Right, a few points away here or there, but Rude ultimately winning. I think it was 10-7 in the deciding set tiebreak. Um, yeah, big, big win for Casper Rude. Uh, you know, I actually think he's got a shot to go really deep at this tournament. I do. I know he doesn't have a history of going, you know, on deep runs in Australia, but I think he's playing really, really well. I think he's hitting the forehand well. Um, I know he lost a person, I know he lost a couple of sets to Purcell today, but you know, I think he's, I think he's just, I think he's playing well, man. Like that's all I really got for Casper Rude. But why don't we go on I think, to? I think the match of the night last night was Alexander Zvera versus Lucas Klein. So let's get to it. Well, well, first of all, in no, your head. first of all, in no way was that the match of the night. Because I know, I'll, I'll be I honest. The, yeah, I'll be honest. The quality was not outrageous. I think it was really good from Klein's end for a good five sets, yeah. but. I, I think I think Zverev wasn't phenomenal to be honest, but there, I, there, you know, there is the elephant in the room of it has been announced that Zverev is going to public trial in May. It's been announced during this tournament. A lot of players were asked questions about it in the press conferences. Zverev was asked plenty of questions about it. Obviously, he dodged those, and a lot of players were hesitant to really say anything. They said no comment to a lot of these things. I understand that maybe they don't feel the need to, um, you know, to really speak out against Zverev in that moment. Because, it, again, if you told me that a coworker was undergoing a, an investigation like this, I wouldn't exactly, you know, say, oh, they don't like, they shouldn't be playing. I would, what I would call for is at least for the ATP to make a, a policy and, you know, I'm hesitant about Zverev serving on the player board when he's undergoing, you know, serious charges in public court in Germany. 
I that's the main thing to me. I would have liked to see a kind of just all around statement from the ATP and from the players who like to just say, you know, they stand against domestic violence. Like I, I think that at the bare minimum is really all that's necessary. Even if you're not going to speak out against Vera's case in particular, because uh, quite frankly, it's an issue for other ATP players as well. Um, but yeah, I would have liked to see something from ATP players in their no comments, at least to say something like I stand against domestic violence. Obviously it's a horrible thing, but that being said, I don't want to comment on this Zverev situation right now. I, that's all I kind of have to say on that matter. Let's get to the tennis. Uh, unless you have any thoughts, Richard, but let's get to the tennis. I think, you know, I, again, Zverev kind of just does this a lot in early slams where he kind of has those sets where he enters a bit of a rough patch and, I don't know. I felt like the forehand return in particular wasn't great, especially in that tiebreak. I believe he missed two forehand returns at the start of the match tiebreak. Um, yeah, it was overall a bit of a shaky performance from Zverev. Really, really impressed with Klein. I thought he, you know, had, yeah, I thought he displayed a phenomenal level. I just like the serve, the forehand, it was all clicking. Um, yeah. Talk sucks to see that he couldn't pull off what would have been the win of his career. But ultimately, you know, Zverev does what he does. He proves that he's still a top player, right? Regardless, he still came out and won the damn thing. So, you know, I was really, really impressed with the level Klein showed. But at the same time, you got you got to be impressed with how well Zverev was able to navigate that match and come through with the win. But yeah, if you have any thoughts about that match, feel free. No, I mean, I think uh, for me, super impressive performance um, from Lucas Klein. And um, it was great to see someone really take it to Zverev. And, you know, you never know uh, what's going to happen. And I know this this guy's got a bright future. He played great, honestly. And Sasha mentioned it after the match, just was playing at such a high level. And sometimes you feel, I don't know, sometimes you feel bad for the guy who was, you know, so close, like literal points away um from making what could have been a career changing win uh so you never know again um Sasha's solid player and played great and bo- both of them played great um i know it wasn't Zverev's best night um yeah. and if he wants to go deep in this tournament he's going to need to get it together a little bit yeah no i agree nothing really more to say about that um Kem Nori do you want to talk Cam Nori? I come back from two sets to love down against uh Zanepri, uh sorry, Zapiri. Uh yeah. you know, I watched the third set of this match, didn't really get to see that much, but for when I looked at it, it looked like Nori was just a bit more decisive and a bit more willing to impose himself on Zapiri and just you know force his way into the match and really, you know came in and said, no, I'm a player who has, you know, I've won Indian Wells. I'm a, I'm a top 15 level player. Like I should be winning this match. No excuses. And that's what he went on and did. Big, big comeback for Nori. Maybe this can, you know, really um, result in some momentum for him in this tournament or maybe this year, because it, it has felt like he's stagnated a little bit, whether it's injury or just his game. People were started. So we're slowly kind of starting to figure that out, but I don't know. I, I think he's definitely got a shot in his next match, but 
it'd be interesting to see how Nori fares rest of the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got another uh, guy who also faced a five setter last night in Casper Rude coming up next. Uh, I think that'll be an interesting match to see how they bounce back from five setters. And um, to, to, to wrap things up here, let me ask, uh, I, we, we talked about it for the women's side, but uh, for the men's, who's in your deep run conversation? Who's going to, who can make a deep run based off of just how they played for the first two matches? Uh, well, obviously Novak Djokovic is still my favorite, even if he loses another set in his next round match. I still just can't bet against him in Australia until somebody else beats him. Right. Um, then I got to throw Alcaraz in there and Yannick Sinner as well. I think Sinner's looked really, really good through the first two matches. Um, obviously at the start of the tournament, I had a group of four and that's with Daniil Medvedev included. And who knows, it still could be included because he's currently up a break in his fourth set against Emil Rusevori. I've got it up on my other screen right now. Um, yeah, we'll see that. It, tough comeback for him, late night finish. Um, kind of feels like the Australian Open started early this year on the Sunday um, to avoid these late finishes. But um, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how the, the tournament kind of deals with it with scheduling from here out um medvedev starting to play a little bit better but yeah no uh, rusevori if he can come through this that's a big big win for emil rusevori but yeah we'll see how the rest of this goes but that's my I mean, we, tier we've yeah we've we've named the three prime suspects right and you know obviously we haven't mentioned medvedev because we don't know what's going to happen but i mean it's Novak, Alcaraz, and Center, and what can you do about it? I mean, it's going to be those guys in conversation until yeah. we see any reason not to. Um, is there I mean, anyone I, else that you know you think that as the you know the way they're playing right now can make a deep run? I'd love to say Ben, ben Shellen, but I mean, like we just talked about, it's it's tough when you've got a draw that puts you up against Novak Djokovic in the next round if you if he gets past yeah. this one. Yeah, I, I haven't been particularly impressed by Tsitsipas's level, per se. I think he played a really good match against Jordan Thompson. Like, I think that match was high quality and good tennis and fun to watch. But I don't know if I've been super impressed with how Tsitsipas has played. And honestly, that statement feels kind of evergreen right now because I don't think he's played well since last year early. Probably around this time last year in Australia. Um, so who knows? Maybe he can recapture some of that magic. Taylor Fritz, I I think he can play at that level. I just I need to see it at a in a, I need to see a deep run at a slam where he really pushes someone he's playing. Because like and I I, just, I need to see him navigate a draw that's fairly tough and just like get through that professionally in like straight sets and a couple matches and just or even just three or four sets and just like, you know, not lose to someone you should be beating at a slam. You get what I'm saying? Like at least hold C. Yeah. Um yeah. But I, another I another think... one for me is um that worries me is Hubie Hercatch. Yeah. Um listen, he's good. We know he's good, and he's also good here in Australia. And um it's just when you get taken to five by Menchik, and this is no discredit to him because Menchik played great. Yeah, well, first he, of all, Menchik can play so like... well. He played so well. Yeah, but, but he's also he's also this just is been tearing match. it up on the challengers. This but. is a match that Hubi should have like if you're gonna win this match, should have been a little bit easier than five than another five setter. Um 
And it just doesn't give me the most confidence when your next opponent is Ugo Umber. And we know how good he is as well. So I I never mean to discredit an opponent. But if I'm saying that you made someone struggle, that is a compliment in and of itself. And to make someone like Hubi struggle, especially someone with such a like big serve as him, it just makes me question, you know, Hubi's potential and, and how far he can go. So I don't know. Um, I think he looks fine. I think I'm gonna judge a lot of how he how I expect him to do here based off of how he can do against Umber in this next round. Yeah, no, I, I... That's fair. What I will say is I think Mensik is a very, very talented player. I think yes. he's got a lot of potential. I think he's going to continue to grow and be a really, really top, you know, high top level player for a long time. Other wins I want to throw in. Um, big win for Alex Mickelson, the 19-year-old American, beating Yuri Lehechka in four sets. Um, I've long been a proponent of Alex Mickelson's game. Uh, I, I believe that you know, he's a special player with a bright future. I I think prior to last year, he was outside the top 500. And at the start of this year, he's close to a top 50 run, which... And I, and I also want to say, I think this is a guy that can really trouble Zverev. I can agree. Can really I th- trouble him. I think he can last backhand to backhand with Zverev. And there's a few, there's very few guys who I think can actually do that. And I, I actually, yeah, I like... I like the matchup, but again, I, I'd probably be picking Zverev if we're being honest. But I think Max Mickelson <laughs> could really trouble him. But um, yeah. yeah, there's that, and then this is—I I mean, for me, I'm just gonna say, I like Zverev Mickelson is in no way, shape, or form a three-set match. It's not a straight-set match for me, in no way. I'm really gonna laugh if Zverev wins in three sets, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. What would have been funny is you if, can call if, me and laugh all you want, but I. I just I think I think it's gonna be a fun match and I think it's gonna yeah. be I think I think Mickelson takes at least a set off of him. I agree. You know what would be really funny is if Mickelson wins at three one and three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but anyways, why don't we go on? I Felix Auger Aliasim kind of putting together some form, wins two rounds, beats Dominic team, beats Hugo Grenier. Um I will like, face FAA either Rusevori needs- or or Medvedev in the next round. Yeah. FAA just needs to start winning again. And, you know, if he's, he, he's it's starting a simple, to do it. It's a simple ask, but it's such a unnecessary ask. Yeah, but like I, he's starting to do it, right? Like Felix, so I think he's, I think, I think the team Felix match was actually pretty high quality from both players. It Sucks was. for team. Yeah. Really, really brutal loss for him after that comeback. But yeah, no, um, if I'm both players, I'm pretty pleased with my level. Felix, I think, looks good. It'll be interesting to see if he can trouble Medvedev, if he can come back from this deficit. Or Rusebori, you know, Felix might like his chances there. We'll see how that goes. Um, one name we didn't talk about, uh, well, two names, I guess, are Dimonor and Grigor Dimitrov, who I think can make deep runs at this tournament. Um, I'm really yeah, excited. Yeah, find the way they have been, 100%. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. Uh, yeah, those are real dark horses. I feel like we're gonna have time to continue to talk about them through the rest of the tournament. That being said, this episode's gone on for <laughs> quite a while. Um, sorry, listeners, but the Australian Open did not give us a break last night. So, no. And but maybe maybe we'll get a break for the next one. But well, it, it looks like we're not because apparently this match it didn't give us a break last night. And it's not giving us a break this morning because Medvedev's up a break in the fourth. So. Ugh. We'll, so see, many we'll see breaks. how this goes. 
Yeah, exactly. But we'll we'll see how this goes. And um, that's it for me if you want to close this out, Richard. Yeah. With that said, that's all the time we have for this first progress report uh, for the Australian Open here on the Counterpunch Podcast. Uh, stay tuned. We'll have progress reports coming throughout uh, the two weeks of the Aussie Slam. So with that said, that's all the time we have. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.